Welcome, listeners, back to Dark Tides, another episode in the long-running, much-beloved series. <laughs> I'm your... You thought we were done. Ha! There's another one. Joe's in the middle of a take. Oh, sorry. I'm your host, show creator, and narrator, Aubrey Lytton. With me, as always, is the ever-interrupting BJ. Hello. Uh, and the bad mood, Chester. Do I, I was being good. <laughs> no, you were being fine. You were just sitting there with your arms crossed because you're crossed about boosters or something. How is it that you got in trouble, but I, <laughs> I interrupted the intro? <laughs> no, no, I said that you were interrupting, and I said that That's Chester true. was cranky about boosters. Yes, nothing worked. Again. We've, well, we've redone the whole setup. It uh, means the setup that I had just redone is now in a shambles because we had to move the table and my setup was very delicate. <laughs> it's, uh, the, it, was, uh, it was just bouncing on that edge of perfectly working. Yes. Yeah. This is the delightful world of audio engineering, yeah, folks. We uh, just it to, doesn't work any of the time. <laughs> we just need to buy a couple of those like cable trays mm. and I need to come over for a day and we just need to like spend a day sitting under the table plugging things in and we'll be fine. Yeah, but the thing is, as soon as one of the things doesn't work, it's like it all comes. All right, right, everything has to be unscrewed now. That's why the trays are good because you can just sit everything up there uh, and then pull it all down I if you see, need to. I see, I see. Yes, mm. that's very boring. Mm. Mm. But table it, management. It will mean that maybe one day we can just sit at our recording table and go. Yeah, which would be nice. True. It'd be nice to just turn things on and they work. Yeah. yeah. Well, then Adobe Audition will break. Yeah, as but, it always does. You know, at least the cables will be in the right place. <laughs> so the the takeaway message from this, listeners, is uh, never forget what we go through to bring you the show, <laughs> and Appreciate don't start a podcast. Us. You're deeply indebted. Show to your us. appreciation on Patreon.com/slash/DarkTimes. That's not what I was going for, VJ. That's what I was. Uh, going but for. it's also, but it's true. Show your appreciation on um, Tumblr.com/forward/slash/CriticalRoll. Mm. <laughs> Uh, they, them, they really need the love yeah, right now. Yeah, yes. let them know about they us. They're not doing love. so well. <laughs> They're not doing that great. After the whole like one D and D thing, like what's going to happen? <laughs> That's them? what the new bit is. Instead of the Dark Tides company, it's like guys, the Critical Role company is not doing very well. Please, they need please your go support. Give them your love. Um, I actually don't you know. If donate any even a few cents. You know. I'm sure they're totally fine. I'm sure they're totally fine because I think it's critical role. They're I, definitely fine. Yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't kept up with. I know that they're making like a second season on um, Amazon. I don't so think I've I'm ever sure listened fine. to anything critical role. Me ever. neither. But I will say, if D and D collapses, they will be the first to fall. Well, <laughs> who knows? Mm. I think once as soon as soon as this umbrella of tabletop era renaissance dies. They're the first going down because they're the most hardcore, straight-line yeah, yeah, yeah. tabletop RPG. Either that or they'll just go, right, here's our new game system that we just released. They probably they, will. They, they probably have done a lot that. of spin-offs and specials in many, many other game yeah. systems, so they'll they'll probably be fine. I will say I haven't really followed the news anyway. uh, on the 1D&D stuff for a little bit, and also feel free to skip ahead. Uh, none of this is mm. interesting to you. We're still um, driving, in which case, <laughs> yeah, stuck with us. Pick up your phone and skip <laughs> forwards. Nothing bad is going to happen. Do it now. The, the, the government's lying For legal to you. Reasons, Nothing bad will joke. happen if you do For that. legal reasons, that's a joke. For legal reasons, that's a joke. Um, anyway, no, I think that they there are rumours, or I've heard rumours, or I just haven't investigated the news very, very carefully, that I think D&D is not going to go ahead with that change think, of, of um, yeah. game licence stuff. No, or they'll they do something else. They officially backed up on it. Yeah, made an official statement. So it. who knows what that mm. means? But potentially, people got a lot of traffic out of just being outraged in terms of all of their content. Yep. And now we just go back to exactly what it was before. Yeah. Potentially with um, like four new followers because we were angry about something that one time. Yeah. Yeah. You know. That's how it works. All right. Um, 
Well, uh, it's been a while since we recorded, to be honest. It's uh, been... <laughs> who plays who? What's the go? Really What's long time. Um, I think I play a, like a balding middle-aged man. Brain so. in a jar. Brain in a jar. Do I play Modoc? Uh, B- BJ's playing Roald Reagan, right? Yeah, sure. Does that mean I'm Churchill? Sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. Hey, guys, welcome to this guys. political commentary podcast. Hope you're doing well. Are My we name's... role players, the politicians? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But instead of it being like a, um, you know, the, the, the classic caricature, like spoof of political comedy, it, it's just... It's a very faithful adaptation. It's hard, like we've done our research. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's hardcore just, It's just role-playing. us talking about politics, pretending that we're people that are involved in politics talking about politics. Listen, guys, we're not racist. It's just we're, t- we're doing people from the 1940s. They were all racist. We have to be authentic. <laughs> These aren't my views. It's the character I'm playing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I play Alistair Stern. What? Um, a, a 36-year-old mayor, mayor. technically kind oh. of a politician. Father of one and origami expert. Father of one origami expert and Alistair Stern, mm-hmm. by the name of Alistair Stern. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Oh, very good. If you don't know who he is, why? Why are you sitting here? Why, why would you do he's that? He's pretty forgettable. Yeah. He's pretty forgettable. Pretty forgettable. But like, so which one is he? He's the... Um, At least he plays one that? character and you play six that no one remembers. <laughs> one day Aubrey will give me a second character to play. You've got Randy! Where is Randy? <laughs> you chose that he wouldn't be there. So? Um, fix uh, my problem for me, Aubrey. I will then, fine. <laughs> Randy's dead. He washes up on the beach. We That's found Randy. <laughs> we found Randy. Um, hello, uh, my name is Chester Lyndon, and I play every character that Aubrey and BJ don't play. Wow. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was good. That was concise. Thank you. And factually correct. Moving nice. on. Nice. Okay. Um, I, I think we'll skip fact. fun facts. I have things- fun- oh. Oh, Okay, now go find do it. Mine's really quick. I just want listeners to know that this fun fact comes at the expense of actual story. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll draw it out as long as I possibly can. I was sitting eating my sandwich, having a cup of tea today before what I drove over. Um, it was Bologna. chicken and um, lettuce. Organic chicken. And, um, well, it Cruelty was alive free. once, free so range. that's organic. And olives on bread, like most sandwiches are. Wait, you said, back that up. You had chicken. Aubrey's a now chicken. actively drawing out my fun fact yeah, time. I'm like, just, I'm, you know. Because he goes I'm, to Subway, that's why he has olives on it. I was going to say, you're having chicken Monday and olive sandwich. Yeah. Was anything else? Did I miss something? I, I was said talking lettuce, you? but you were too busy ranting, okay. so you didn't hear me. <laughs> on, on what kind of bread? Uh, just the white bread we had in the fridge. Tip top. No. Chicken little bit tip top. I'm not a heathen. Um, like, the, you know, the Abbots. It's still white. Like, it's unfortunate, but it's good bread. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's as, unfortunately as white. white. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, yep. Yep. Yeah. So that was the fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally just about to do my sure, fun fact. Sure, you know fact. what? Sure, fine. <laughs> no, no, I want to hear no, it No, no, it's fine. <laughs> no, BJ, I want to hear it. We're not moving anywhere. My this- fun fact is that Marv tried to teach Alistair how to fell trees properly. You know, like the, the little checkout that you cut to make the tree fall the way you want it to do. Yes. Alistair Checkout. has been practicing for quite a few years now, and he cannot get it right. Every single tree that he has tried to cut down has gone not where he wanted it to, and a few of them have, like, squished important, expensive things, like houses people. and <laughs> people. <laughs> yeah. 
No where, one's died. Whereas when Marv does it, it's like um, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter and just cuts <laughs> it in half with one swing. Zoom. <laughs> and it's just this explosion. No, no, when, when Marv does it, it's like anybody who's mildly competent at cutting down trees, <laughs> cutting a tree down. When Alistair does it, it's like everyone in the village runs away because you know it's not going to go well. Yeah, okay. He's nearly squished himself under a tree many times. Mm-hmm. Um, my fun fact is I am sick again. Uh, and sorry about that. Cool. Thank you. That it? Yep. Cool. What, kind, friend- of, what kind of <laughs> bread did you have this morning? Uh, I had raisin toast. Oh, classic. Um, but the only, there wasn't any butter. There was just margarine. raisin toast? I sure hope not. No, no. I don't think they make um, I think they do. To the, oh, they, there's one. It's the thick cut one. Yeah. That one. Um, I had that raisin toast and then I was watching YouTube shorts and there was those Minecraft parkour videos. I was like, damn, I missed Minecraft. I'm going to start that realm up again. I hate these videos, but I like (laughs) I like that parkour. Just so you know, patrons, this is what you're paying for. Mm -hmm. Your money money enables this. Um, My fun fact... Those of you who are driving and can't skip this, how close are you to committing a felony and picking up your phone? Just pick up the phone. Felonies are social constructs. They're not real. Um, Anyway, my fun fact is Psychonauts 2 is pretty good. Haven't played the first one. Second one's good, though. I'll probably play the first one after I finish the second. Cool. Yeah. I like it. Some good, wholesome, puzzle-solving fun and a lot of weird puns. How did you learn to make those pancakes? In prison. <laughs> I was gonna. Sh- I you weren't here at the time. I was playing through that scene. That entire interaction is golden. Every single line is a perfectly executed joke. And I was like, "Damn, Chester's in Wollongong. He's not gonna see this. I'm gonna have to figure out if there's a clip of this to show him." Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, let's do a real quick recap. Yeah. Previously, let's do that. Um. Because it's been a month. It's been a minute. Longer, I think, actually. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, um, previously, Ernest had returned to the archipelago, traveling through the fog with the help of Carrion the shepherd. uh, And he had brought Edgar, his Wendigo brother, uh, discovering that Alistair and Puck have been trapped in some kind of time dilation fog bank. Yeah, we have. uh, Where they have... Uh, had to abandon most of the archipelago to the reign of all sorts of supernatural creatures. <laughs> to the reign. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Um, and they have held themselves up in a small fortified town called Ravenholm. Uh, the the other salient point that happened was that Ernest was carrying a message from Heath for Puck and Alistair to say that he was uh, dying and or getting pulled into some kind of the consequences of the deal he made with the Fae in order to save Alistair and Puck in season two. Uh, and that in order to get a message back to Heath, they need to get the radio station back online. Ernest, Alistair and Edgar made a trip, got to the radio station, found it to be in a whole weird situation, which they solved mostly through violence. Um, it's all in my which character knows. <laughs> Ernest and, and lost like his body to parenting now. Yeah, that too. Uh, Ernest lost his body to the control of Allah, the supercomputer non-human. He's a living construct. Um, He's a character in this podcast, yes. and that's all you need to know. Edgar disappeared, having lost his alpha, and seems to have gone rogue. Uh, Allah fixed the radio station, and you were able to get your message to Heath. You then returned to Ravenholm, where Ernest regained control of his body. 
And that's where we'll pick up now. Mr. Pop. Afternoon is settling over the town of Ravenholm. The mist that had previously pulled back in the heat of the day to the edges of the forest is now beginning to creep back in along with the onset of cold into night. Ernest Marsh, newly uh, regained control in your own body, you are stretching your legs, uh, working your muscles, getting used to things. You are making your way up through the gates of Ravenholm uh, and heading towards the barracks. Alistair has left you just before uh, to head off to find his immediate family, um, and I believe you're planning to join him soon, but you're on your way to the barracks for now. What are you doing? Uh, Ernest uh, throws open the door of the barracks. What does the barracks look like again? Uh, the barracks is sort of like a bunk room. Um, the sort of bunk bed style... Uh, sleeping quarters along each wall with a space underneath for trunks and those sort of things. This is a temporary living place that people are cycled through on their shifts of being guards Mm -hmm. that when you're on duty as a guard this is where you sleep and it's sort of like a two days on, five days off type of rotation of guards. Mm -hmm. Something like that. So it's pretty bare, pretty spartan. Okay. Uh, He has a look around. Is there anyone else in the barracks? Sure. Who do you see? Where's Quincy? Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones. Uh, Just Quincy. Tell me who who you see. Who do you want to see? Uh, He's hoping to see no one. No one is there. It's empty. Uh, He slowly undoes his jacket and chucks it onto his uh, bunk. He pulls off his cap and he rubs his fingers through his hair again and massages his scalp. And he's going to start like tapping his foot on the ground is it floorboards yeah pretty rough hewn yeah floorboards yes he's gonna make his way around the whole room tapping his foot on the floor listening for a hollow sound why (laughs) is that sure you find a hollow sound the back left corner you find uh, there is a hollow sound big termites he reaches into his pocket and pulls out a pocket knife and is going to start jamming it underneath one of the boards and trying to lift it up. Yeah, you can pry it up and find a, a little space underneath. He pries it up and moves it outside, takes a deep breath and starts to like squeeze his way into the gap. And he gets down and starts digging with his hands to make a bit of a like a, a space. Um, right, yep. I'm going to say we cut forward sometimes and Ernest Marsh wakes up laying in his bunk. All right. 
he leans up, like looks around the room. Point one for Ernest. I didn't do anything. He swings his legs out from under from the bed. As he's getting up, he's looking around, and he sees his hands are like caked in dirt and mud. He wipes them on his pants. I don't know what that means. He looks around the room and he sees nothing. Mm-hmm. And he pulls on his jacket, puts on his cap, and heads out. All right, you uh, you go to the door, you grab the handle. And you pull it open, it like opens inwards. And you are standing face to face uh, with another person who has like got their, their fist up as if they're about to knock um, and make a perception check for me. I or don't have any intelligence. Dice. An intelligence check. Intelligence check, very good. Do you want the dice chest? The dice chest, please. Go on now. Okay. You Eleven is 14. 14. Uh, it hits you pretty immediately because it's not... It's not hard. The face staring back at you has matured. There's a little bit of change, but not nearly enough. So when the voice comes, my guy. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) It is very easy to tell that this is Jeremy. Um, Despite a few scars, uh, some longer hair, uh, his nose is quite crooked now. Um, And he, he seems to be... One of the things you've noticed, and I'll just say this now, most of the adults in this place are wearing sort of poncho cloak-esque things. Um, yeah, you said he was wearing a lighter one. His one, all the children wear bright yellow ones to make them very visible. You have not seen an adult yet wearing a bright yellow one, except for Jeremy. Jeremy is also the only adult here wearing a bright yellow um, woolen poncho cloak. This is the only adult that can't be trusted <laughs> to know where he is at any one time. Yes, and he's like, my guy, I heard you were back, and I didn't believe it until I saw you with my own eyes, and now I have. How are you doing? Bring it in, my guy. Give me a hug. Uh, finally, someone's happy to hug me. Yeah. On the back. That's good. It's hey, good buddy. to see you. You look like uh, awful. Very bad. What? You look like you're dying. What? You're, have you slept? You look pale. You look sickly. I was feeling pretty good. I had a granola bar. I had some water. I've had quite a bit of water. Mm, you Have don't you look drinking? like you slept. I drink plenty of water. There's not much else here to drink. Okay. Oh, okay. That's you know, that's actually probably a healthier lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, just dropping by to say hi. Make sure that you were welcomed in. Some of these people around here, he's like looking around, hands on hips. Not always the most welcoming bunch, you know, especially to outside strangers that we haven't had in nearly a decade. Yeah. Just wanted to let you know I'm around. Yeah, what are you, what are you doing? Um, You're looking speak. I'm liking the... He's, like, tugging on his shirt as well. It's like, yeah. I'm liking the threads. Yeah, he's it's tugging nice on color. yours. Yeah, I know. Matchy, matchy, <laughs> hey? Uh, yeah, no, mine... the drip, my dude. <laughs> the drip, my dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, mine's just to make sure that, you know, I am visible at all times because that is my job, mm-hmm. to be visible. As um, he says this, there is like a rustling around and um, like the corner of the poncho that he is wearing is like pulled up and you just see like a four-year-old's face looking at you and it's down again and it's rustling around and then there's just three children like burst out from underneath the poncho into the barracks and they're ransacking things and climbing up something. It's like, <laughs> most of my job is child minding. 
<laughs> ransacking the barracks that is completely empty. They're like pulling pulling blankets yeah. off beds yeah. and pillows and things. It's like, um, so yeah, that's fight. most of what I do. Oh. Apparently, I am um, uh, approachable Ooh. for children or something. I don't know. I guess parents are busy or whatever. Look at you, leading the community. I mean, that is the goal. That that's the long-term goal. Uh, fostering, you know, wellness and um, self-confidence and communication skills in the little tykes. Uh, hey, uh, Brittany, that is not your pillow. Okay. Hiya. Uh, when it's not yours, you got to put it back. Okay. They're very compliant verbally, mm-hmm. not so much in any other way. Mm, Brittany has like yeah. placed the the pillow over someone's face <laughs> and is like punching the pillow. Pretty sure that is a war crime, my dude. All right, I'm just gonna. Just I'm just gonna back to his Wendy goes. It's like, yeah, mine are too. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna deal with that. They say they're listening, but they're not they're listening. Not really listening. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so you know, if you want to catch up sometime, um, I'm just okay, Brittany. That is no, no, that's suffocating. I'm gonna get him. Uh, and he is now trying to wrangle uh, three children. And as you you turn to like look out the door, you can see that there is like half a dozen more showing up. It seems like they just follow Jeremy around and his job is to keep children entertained. Jeremy said bit me! Uh, All right, well, we'll deal with uh, biting after we deal with smothering. Okay. Uh, How about we play a rhythm game? All right, he starts like a clapping rhythm and just starts to scream like, yeah! (laughs) And uh, he, like a a strange Pied Piper, he starts leading (laughs) off this gaggle of yellow children with their ponchos and things um, off into the centre of town, like leading them in like some kind of clap game. Mm. And Ernest is left alone. <laughs> what an experience. What an experience. All right, um, Ernest is going to uh, close the barracks behind him and he's going to go over to uh, like one of those water pump things and he's going to wash the last of the dirt off his hands. And he's going to look around very confused, like... Well, we were at the radio station. Not at the radio station. Now. Where's Edgar? Ernest kind of strokes his chin and he's going to head uh, for the the wall and up to the, the top of the wall. Mm-hmm. What's the, the repair job look like so far? Spotty. <laughs> Spotty. <laughs> it's like a bathtub over one bit of it. <laughs> yeah, there's a car bonnet wedged into like yep. a gap between two poles. A lot of nets. <laughs> really big on nets bit for of cardboard duct tapes. Yeah. Nets are great. You can use them for so many things. So it's about twilight time. Yeah, now? it's getting towards dark. Okay. It'll be it'll be kinda like uh full it'll be dusk in like half an hour and full dark in an hour. Right. Ernest is gonna make his way to the, the farthest point of the, the wall. And he's going to whistle out. There is no response. There's still no response. Ernest, uh, is there anyone guarding the wall? There are people on the wall, but you've picked a quiet spot. You could go and interact with one of the guards that are yeah. keeping watch. Uh, this is going to walk up to the to the nearest guard. Okay. BJ, do you want to play this guard? Sure. Hello, sir. Ah! Ah. Uh, goes to attention. Salutes. Hi. 
Out of the doodly. Yeah. Uh, have you seen a large... Let's start with the bait. Have you seen a man that looks like me? He looks in at you. In the last... He's looking up at, like, how late it is. Day. Well, I've seen you. Have you seen a man that looks like me? That's not me. And in, in, while the guy blinks, he transforms into what Edgar looks like. Have you seen a man that looks like me? Ah! And he transforms back let's to himself. VJ, ah! let's get a little color and shade on this character. What does he look like? Uh, he is... Okay. You know, you know those early 2000s like spy movies. Yeah. And there's like the the businessman, you know, like you know, the classic early 2000s businessman look. Like mm-hmm. the short, short hair, like, you know, probably got a Blackberry in his pocket. Um, he looks like that, but with a poncho. Right. So he looks like he should be a stockbroker. Yeah. Patrick Bateman type. Yeah. It's like, it's like you know, the, um, the kind of because it's kind of old and not trendy anymore. It's like I bet that guy was supposed to look really successful when this came out, mm-hmm. but he looks really bad. It's that it's okay. that haircut and he's like a lot of gel from somewhere. It's <laughs> maybe yeah. it's sap. You can't tell. Mm. He looks like he should have like those round, thick silver like two thousands sunglasses uh, and a yeah. and a little silver flip phone. Mm. Alrighty. And he's like 40. Anyone like me? Anyone like me? He transforms back to himself. Okay, okay, all right. Uh, Well, okay. Uh, Well, I I saw you. Can I make the pitch that while he's doing this, he's like not very subtly fishing in the poncho and pulls out like a little laminate, not laminated, but like a little um, flip card thing <laughs> that says like in it's obviously handmade yeah but it says uh things to report and it's like got a like a little list with a little drawing <laughs> yeah. next to each other it's like strange strange activity. sounds strange people people who look strange people who act strange and he's like yes 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 <laughs> have, have you seen a man that may not be a man and may in fact look like a a nine feet tall uh spawn of hell what are you trying to say? I'm just asking if you've seen anything, my dude. I saw you about 20 minutes ago. Uh-huh. And that's what it. What about the people that me and your boss left with? There was another guy who looked like me, also blonde. Oh. Yeah. Did he come back with us? Guy looked like he was your brother or something. Yeah. 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 There you go. Yep. Did he come back with us? Is this a trick question? No, I just, I just, it's just a question. Oh, this is a test. Okay, well, Nancy well, put you up to this, didn't she? Uh, <laughs> he's trying to like, you know, he's thinking through all of, in his previous life, all of the like trick questions in his like um, um, business, like job interviews that he's gone into. It's like, all right, they try and trip you up and make you say something. So he's like, no. Yes. No. I'm going to say no. That's my final answer. <laughs> okay, you won the million dollars. What? What? Okay, bye. Thank you. This is going to like hop, hop away. Right. Hop, hop, hop. We this will- guy's like, Terry? <laughs> I think I got something to report. You need to get a message to Alistair. 
Um, that guy's really weird. Speaking of which, we will cut to the Stern family residence. Okay. Um, it's been... How, how long did we say it has been since you came home? Probably like a t- couple uh, of hours. Two hours? Yeah, two or three hours. Two hours. All right. You've had time to, well, to get changed, so. to, to wash up, to have something to eat. Um, what are you What are you doing at this stage, do you think? Uh, Alistair's sitting on the little couch that they have in the, their room, um, very, very gingerly poking at the bandages on his arm. Uh-huh. Is... Uh... Ooh. Ooh. No. Ah. Ooh. No. Okay. Yep. Oh. Oh. Uh, there is a worrying whirring sound like a like a propeller blade spinning real real fast in the next room in Sky's room is Puck with me? no she's not is she in she saw you briefly there? as you came in kind of checked on you and then she had something else that she needed to take care of but she you, you expect that she'll be back very soon hmm She's she's probably fine. Probably. Uh, as the door opens and uh, former Mayor Mallory Stern comes in with uh, two mugs <gasps> of tea. Hey, Dad. Hey, Ali, what are you doing? You look like you need a cup of tea. Uh, These were both going to be for me, but I guess you can have one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Dad. That, I mean, I thanks. was hoping for some alone time, but I mean, I guess this is I your house to do. Alistair's house. <laughs> I was looking for some alone time, you see. Dad, there were like seven bedrooms in this house. Yeah, I know, but... Uh, and only four of them are occupied by other people. Yes, but your your new stepmother um, is in at least one of them, and we are... Oof, things are not good. Um, so Should I'm just going to hang out here for a bit. Not the library? Uh, no, I was going to hang out here. Oh, oh, no, it's great. It's great to see you. I just, if you wanted alone, you know yeah. I live here. Well, right? look, he he puts the the teacup in front of you, and he like sits on the coffee table, um, to like to just look directly. It's like, I feel Alistair like um, we don't talk as much as we used to. Alistair puts the tea down and picks the other cup up. Well, I mean that's not very hygienic. <sighs> that's bad. So. How do how do you have six? Teaspoons of sugar, but only in one of those cups of tea. It is evenly like, distributed between the drinking. So you switch back and forth. It Why is, don't you just put Al- three? Alistair, Alistair, it's the same principle as uh, um, fondue. Savory, sweet. And you switch between the two, and it highlights mm. both. Mm. My point is, anyway. how are you going? Um, I... Ooh... Ooh. Hmm. Mm, I think I had the most hope that I've had this whole time a couple of days ago when Ernest showed up. Mm-hmm. That's the yellow one, right? That's the yellow one, yeah. And the, the other one. His brother. Um and I don't know why. Exactly. I guess it's just a change of pace. I don't know. It's it's not having him here doesn't really functionally change anything, but just a break in the cycle, I suppose. But 
I, I don't know. I feel like it's made things worse now that he's not himself mm-hmm. and his brother's gone. And I, I was really fit and strong two days ago and now I can barely move my right arm. I don't know. I, I just I don't know whether I should feel encouraged by that or if I should just feel like things are going even more downhill than they were. Mm-hmm. But I've been able to talk to Carrie in again, which is that hasn't happened in years, so that's good, and I understand a little bit more about why this is happening. Um, that's I, the pen pal you had back in high school, right? Part of that exchange program? No. Mm, okay, I don't remember who that one is. It's then. the friend I made. In the exchange program. No. Sure. When you were studying overseas. Yes. Anyway, the point, Alistair, is sometimes people change. And sometimes that's okay. Mm -hmm. Sounds like your friend has changed um, in the time that he's been here. And that's a thing that happens. You get to know people, you think, I'm going to, you know what, this is really the sure thing. I, I think I could spend the rest of my life with this person. And then they go and change on you, Alistair. This is about you, and isn't you it? you really Dad? think. This is not about me. You didn't come here to ask. How- I'm just offering some insight as an older man. Uh, I've been where you are um, and I am there still. How is Cordelia? Um, fine. Everything's fine. It's good. Uh, you going to finish that tea? I just did. Cool. I'm going to go make another one. I will uh, I will see you, you later. You know, Dad, hold on. Before you go. Mm-hmm. Um, Always got time, Alistair, except for when I don't. Which is less often nowadays. I appreciate that. I used to be all the time. That's beside the point. Um, you know, mm. if you need to talk to me, you can just ask me. Hey, son, can I talk to you about something? That uh, makes me feel slightly queasy. I thought so. I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing, as I am trying to get more in touch with my emotions, as yeah. Cordelia has insisted that I must. Okay. So I'm going to I'm gonna say a gentle pass on that right now. I'm just saying... But only a gentle one. It doesn't make me feel like that, so... If you ever need to do that, I must be nice. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where I learnt that from. Yeah, not me. No, not you. Yeah. Thanks, son. This is probably the hardest situation that anybody could be in. Uh, so mm, Second marriages. Yeah. Yep, that's what I meant. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I'm here. So am I. You, you can stay. But I'm going to go. You, you can stay and not talk to me too. Um, if you want to just stay and read or sit. I'm going to go make tea because you drank one of mine. Yes, thank and you. And then I will come back and I will read and preferably not make eye contact. I'll clear one of the chairs. Thank you. I'll be back. Um, he, he was just standing in the middle of the rug that whole time because <laughs> yes. Alistair's on the only, like, every, every other chair just has paper and <laughs> it's a, clothes. It's a huge mess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ernest, he nearly uh, bumps into you, spilling tea almost on you uh, as as Mayerstone tries to leave and you are coming through the door. Oh, I was going to say Ernest was playing hopscotch <laughs> outside, but all right. We can could, we could cut to that too. <laughs> Would you rather that? I got an 11. Uh, all right, you're, who are you playing hopscotch with? 
Uh, I'm going to say one of the town guards <laughs> and two kids. Nah, man, that's a, che- that's a cheater's move. I saw you. You do the legs on both sides. That's accepted. Uh, no, that's accepted rules. in primary school rules. Not, not, in, not in these house rules. I don't care. You can't kids just- like, you know very well we don't have a school here. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a school here. Now, that's like arguing if it's on the line uh, or not. All right, look, let's just let bygones be bygones and we I will forgive the fact that you cheated and we'll play around a handball instead. And it's at this point that uh, you see Puck storming up the path um, with some kind of contraption under her arm. It looks like some kind of portable computer briefcase thing, something more military. And there's like four people asking her questions as she is going and she's ignoring all of them. Uh, as she walks up, she's like barreling right through your game of hopscotch. She shoves the the guard you were playing with out of the way, grabs you by the like the collar of your shirt and starts dragging you into the, the mayor Stern's Oh, I love Hamble. <laughs> as he goes, he tries to hit the handball one last time and he gets it on the line. Crap. <laughs> uh, she drags you into the house. All right. All right. Uh, as Puck kind of tears into this room that Alistair and Mestern are now in, uh, in a bit of a whirlwind, we have a problem. Whoa. Yes. Whoa. I know. All right. Wow. I'm listening. Crazy that we have a problem okay. that is exactly what, of course, it was going to be. Why don't the, you sit down, Ernest? <laughs> He's looking at the, like, the like, cluttered chairs. Sit. All right. He sits on the coffee table. <laughs> she puts the box down next to you, uh, flicks a clasp and opens it. And uh, Do I know what this is? Yeah, you do recognize it. It has been in storage for a little while. Um, this is the uh, portable radio set that Marv had fixed for you previous to the um, the radio station going out of commission. Okay. Uh, she plugs it into a car battery. Um, <laughs> that was it, underneath the coffee table. It was underneath the coffee table. Uh, you hear power go out in like the next room in uh, Sky's room and you hear her grumbling. Um, she plugs in, she flicks it on and goes, uh, just listen to the message that is now playing on repeat everywhere. Okay. Uh, she she tunes it a little. It begins to crackle into life. She turns it up. Do we have the radio working? Yes, we have the radio working, Ernest. And guess what we don't have? Guess. A microphone. No, Ernest. <laughs> your brother. We don't have your brother. And guess who does? Or rather is going to. No. Maybe. No. Where did you do Don't that? know me, Alistair. Wait, this is both no, of your fault. my brother. Don't tell me that. Just listen. And as you, you stop for a second to listen, uh, you hear a gruff, slightly static, but familiar voice coming over the radio waves. Calling all ports and ships at sea. This is Sherman Grimshaw, oh, first great. lantern of the Watchmen. This is a repeating message going out to first the lantern. entire archipelago. If you can hear me, I just want to issue a warning. Uh, we've got a previously unseen crypto that is now rampaging through the island. How did he find him? It's been like three hours since we got home. This is a cautionary message wherever you are stay put stay indoors stay locked away uh this is a category one predator okay even in his worst and does it then like loop yes even in his worst bloodthirsty 
rage. I would have thought that your brother would have enough sense to lie low for a, for a day at least, surely. I mean, ah, all right. So, uh, all right. Well, where was he likely to go? He's looking at Ernest. Where was he likely to go? Ernest. Ernest, like, strokes his chin. And he, like, clicks his neck to the side and, like, this, like, rolling the shoulder things and his eyes kind of, like, flicker a little bit. Are you all right? And he grabs the table, the coffee table, and flips it. While sitting on it? Wow, no, that's impressive. He stands up and he flips it. Whoa, with, okay. With the radio you... on it. With a, with a nine, Puck grabs the radio out of midair before it smashes. A, a, a lands and he, like, grabs one of the legs and snaps it off and flings it across the room. I was just sitting here while he's destroying his house. Mayorstone is is like aggressively not making eye contact with anyone in the room. Oh, is, is he still here? He's still here. <laughs> he's got a cup of tea and a book, and he's just staring at the corner. Uh, Ernst. He like looks at Mayorstone. Up. He stands. He kicks the chair over. He's <laughs> sitting on. Probably best if you go downstairs. I'm, I'm gonna go. Yep. He leaves, the door closes behind him. Alistair makes eye contact with Puck and, like, tips his head towards the door and she goes to stand in front of Sky's door to, like, in case yeah, you can whatever the, the Ernest is, is tries to go through open there. a crack. Yep. Um, she, like, shuts it, puts a hand on it. Yep. Alistair stands up, like, fumbles a little bit with his feet and, like, looks at you. What's going on? Where's it? Yeah. What do you mean? What have it? you done to Edgar? You don't know? You were hostile against him from the start. Ho- no, hold Where on. Where is he? Do you do you not know? No. Why? I woke up in the barracks. I... When? Just two hours ago. Where is he? I told you. What three... did you do to him? He's I like told you three hours you ago. by the, the collar. Yeah. You, you asked me when we got off the horses. I told you. He's out by the radio station. He tried to kill us both. No. I passed out when we got attacked by that thing in the station. So he was faking. Allah was faking being you. <sighs> of course he was. Okay, I'm sorry. I, th- <clears throat> I didn't think he would do that. Um, I guess I'll tell you again. Allah took over your brain. I assume you've Allah. caught up on the Allah. Okay. He's like, all right. He's um, doing the kind of neck thing again. Make a perception check, Ernest. Can I make a deception check too? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 11. Uh, 11. I, probably, I probably have a plus three to that. You're so. very, very aware of your surroundings right now because you are feeling very claustrophobic and you're aware that where, where there wasn't before, there is now a very vicious looking mace in um, Puck's right hand that's obviously like a, a formation of her tattoos mm-hmm. so just so that you're aware that that's there Ernst looks again uh, and where's my lantern um, I got a I don't have my character sheet I think I have at least a plus two or three so I got a six so that's probably an eight or a nine mm. um, and so what I'm trying to do is, is find out if this is Ella faking again or if this is actually Ernest I'm fairly sure it's Ernest but uh, you're, you're like 70% sure this is Ernest, but if this is Ernest, then you've been tricked before, which means that maybe yeah. this isn't Ernest. Yeah. So there's a little bit of doubt. 
but you're fairly certain this is Ernest. <clears throat> Alistair takes, because he's like right up close to you, because you pull, pull him in. Yeah. He, he takes a couple of s- steps back and like paces angrily around the room and um, sits down like cross-legged on the rug. He's like... This was not a good thing. All right. Sit down. We'll go through it. Where's my lantern? Um, I gave it back to you. Yeah. He, like, opens his hands like, I don't have it. All right. Sit, sit down. We need to sort this out. So, brief recap. You and me at the radio station. Remember back when we first met that mm-hmm. night? Um, and we got attacked by the machine. The machine was being controlled by a computer program from the 70s that got trapped in the desert. That was Allah. Mm-hmm. You've read about that, right? No, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you and I went to the radio station... And he downloaded himself into your head. And that was fine, except he then also took over and shut you out. Which was also fine, until that meant that you were no longer you, so your brother lost his alpha and tried to kill you. So the only way to save your life was hurt your brother hard enough that he had to retreat. Which I did, unfortunately. And I thought he would have the sense to lay low until I could get you back and take you back there so you could assure him that you're still there. And then when we got home, you uh, went to sleep and woke up again and were earnest, I thought. So I explained what happened and told you what, what, what had happened. You were very angry about earnest, as there were no chairs around, though, because we were outside. That was, that was good. It's helpful. Uh, sorry, I, it's not funny. <clears throat> and I, you had the lantern with you then, and I left you, and you said you'd come join me in a couple of hours for dinner. And you were gone a little bit longer than I thought, but I figured you probably found someone else and had dinner down there. So I was just about to come and find you when Puck got back. But apparently your brother has not stayed... Put and so now Sherman knows about him. And uh, that, if I might volunteer, Ernest, <laughs> she's still holding the mace, <laughs> but Ernest she's trying to be gentle. Idiot. He's still yeah. like pacing from side to side. Yes, your brother isn't here, but like Edgar, like um, Sherman said, he's a Category One predator. There's not many things on this island that are gonna hurt him. No, he's not, yeah, and he's not in danger. That's not the problem. Sherman is very right in warning everyone, so other than maybe Sherman himself, no one's going to go near him. Yeah, that's and Sherman, problem, much as I hate Sherman's guts, Sherman believes that we can live in peace with every kind of cryptid, even the ones that want to eat your face. So Sherman is not going to try to hurt him. Sherman is trying to give a public service announcement. So all this means is that Edgar is off on his own and maybe a bit distressed because 
he doesn't know what's gone with, happened with you. So I and it also means he's probably healed back. up too because he wouldn't have moved unless he was feeling okay back to yes. normal. Where is Sherman? What part is like gesturing out to Ravenholm? What building is he in? Where can I oh, talk to him? Okay, he's not here. He Sherman doesn't believe in yeah. walls. Sherman tries to live in the forest with no boundary between him. Basically, you know what you were doing, right? As a park ranger, mm-hmm. you found found out that things were very wrong here, so you tried to understand it. You tried to live uh, as as connected with the environment. You tried to, to learn about it. Basically, he's doing that and he's taken it to another whole level, which is fine, except he... He doesn't believe in bunkering down and trying to separate ourselves from the wildlife, which I agree with 15 years ago, back when things were just a little bit weird, but this is on a whole nother scale. And with what we learned, I know I yeah. haven't really had a chance to tell you, Puck, but there's a reason for that. There's a reason why things are so bad here. I don't think he realizes it. And he also hasn't thought about the fact that he doesn't have any children with him. So he can do whatever he likes. He doesn't have to take care of a new generation of people growing up. He can just be wherever he is, live wherever he is. He can do what he likes, and it doesn't matter because it doesn't Sherman, affect anyone. Sherman calls it a holistic, integrated ecosystem. Humans living in harmony alongside everything else that's now out there. The problem is, he doesn't like realize- he said, there are... Some very serious predators out there. I don't and think he knows how wrong this is. How unnatural he has it is. Good intentions. Yeah. And they are poorly utilized. We can get a message to, especially look, if the radio's on, he's clearly was on top of it faster than we were to be able to start broadcasting again. We can get in touch with him. If anyone can help you find Edgar, it is probably Sherman. He, yeah. But there's a little bit of a process there. Now, are we done smashing furniture? Uh, uh, rolls his neck again because he looks at the the table one more time, and, like goes for one of the other legs and pauses. Yeah, I'm done. Your brother is okay. He'll be fine. I didn't hurt him more than I had to, but you'd be dead now if I didn't. So, and I probably would be as well. And Herb. Herb probably would have been fine. He's pretty unobtrusive. Now can you both make perception checks for me? Mm-hmm. That's a 11 or a 12? I don't remember if I have a plus... A natural 12. Plus 3 right. or 4. Uh, you're both kind of looking square at each other. Mm-hmm. And you're, as you're kind of realising that you've reached a consensus, perhaps an uneasy one, and then there's a little shift of movement to your right um, on the opposite side of the room from Puck where the main entrance to this room that um, Messner had left through mm-hmm. as the door is pushed further open and you can see Sky standing in the door. And you then get the sense that Puck whips her head around, opens the door Wait. into Sky's bedroom and then slams it. How, how did you, you were- are supposed to shake hands? When you make up. That's what mum and dad make me do. Alistair looks at Puck. 
Our daughter is way too smart for her own good. Three deep breaths, shake hands, say something nice about each other. That's what you said I had to do when I pulled a chunk of Bethany's hair out the second time. Yes. And you made me do it, so it's your turn. <sighs> With a smile. Yes. Put our hands on hips. With a smile. He holds his hand out. Alistair takes it and shakes it, and he looks at you dead in the eye, and he says, probably should have known it wasn't you when you got off the horse. Should have thought of that. Sorry about your living room. You will be. I'm not cleaning it. He walks out. <laughs> uh, as you start, as you start to walk, Sky just steps in front of you. No, I gotta try and jump. No. What did you get? I got an eight plus two, so that's ten. Uh, all right, with a five, <laughs> he vaults over the child and runs. All right, yes. uh, I got a nine. I think I have a plus four to physical. Or at least a plus three. So you jump and just get like <laughs> caught on the back of your collar. It's like, no, you're. I just crosses his arms. No, I'm fixing, angry again now. You're Ladies fixing my living room. and gentlemen. She like claps her hands. Give me your eyes. 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 Mum. Eyes. <laughs> Puck. I'm, it's fine. I'm here. All right. What, what? What is this? What do you need, Sky? Um, it is easier to show you. I'm just, I'm just going to show you. Uh, right. She like scrambles through the mess that the living room now is. Yep. Excuse me. She pushes Puck out of the way of the door. Um, and then, like, with a magician's flourish, she just flings open the door. <laughs> uh-huh. And Alistair follows pulls, like, a cord for the light. Uh-huh. And what you see is a catastrophic mess of machine parts, like, wood shavings, wires. And what you see is something that looks like a generator with its guts pulled out and all this other stuff pulled and plugged into it. She goes, ta-da! Sky, is this... Is this what you've been working on? Mm-hmm. You didn't tell me you were doing this. You're welcome. He walks in and, like, you can tell Ernest it's one of those moments of he's genuinely interested, but he's trying really hard to, like, forget the conversation. Like, okay, pay attention to child. Child is telling me something. Focus on child. I know how to parent. Um, it's like, walks around it and, like, starts looking at it. And then you see, like, his expression change to, like, genuine interest. How How does it work? The question is not how. Actually, the question is how. <laughs> That's why I asked it. Yes. Okay. This plugs in here. She drags the car battery in. Uh-huh. Uh, let me help you with that. Thank yeah. You. She, like, attaches jump cables to it, plugs it in. Ow! Uh, all right. This plugs in here. Ideally, okay. um, we will be able to hook this up to the, the hydroelectrics. But it's heavy and I can't move it, so that's a yeah. I was going to say not up here. You won't. You'll have to no. move it down to the river. This plugs into here. This uh -huh. goes into this. Um, and she's messing with these little dials Is on it. Is that an XLR cable? Uh huh. Because it goes to this, and she pulls out a megaphone. <laughs> Where did you get that? Around. Um, and it goes and one, two, three, and she presses it, and nothing happens. Ta-da! Is it? Is that it? Is that what it's 
And she points it at Ernest. Ernest, roll for me. Three. Three. You you feel Ernest like explodes. No, no, you feel like you've got it. You're like you're looking at this and going, uh-huh. Nice. Mm. I guess this is a cute mm. kid thing. This is not something Wendigos do. Probably has a light on and it. And then somewhere you're starting to get on. like a slight headache, like you're dehydrated. Okay. Mm. Mm. Alistair looks at you. And, you know, the normal thing would be like, oh, what? Is, I'm so sorry that my child has is, is done something to you. But he, like, goes over and, like, squats next to Sky and, like, follows her gaze looking at you. See, I figured out, with a little inside help, mm-hmm. uh-huh. that we can make a more effective wall without a wall. Uh-huh. The one thing that all of the non-human creatures have in common, she, like, taps her temple, frequency. Right. They don't like this frequency. Humans can't hear it. Alistair looks at her and then looks at Ernest. At like, feels who's racist. like starting to like cringe and he's like, can you turn it up? Mm-hmm. She like <laughs> winds the thing away. No, no, not that. <laughs> it turns into a full-blown migraine, Ernest. Ernest's eyes like flicker. <laughs> and he blacks out and falls to the ground. <laughs> See? It works. Alistair doesn't even walk over. He just looks at Sky and he's like... She, like, turns it down now. It works. Yeah. How did you figure that out? Um, promise you won't be mad. Probably. Mm-mm, promise now. Yes. Yes. Mom. <laughs> Puck has, like... <laughs> she's like, I'm not... Pro-, and she walks she, out. Yeah, she's... Like, no, she has her... Me. She has, like, arms crossed. It's like, no. <laughs> Tell me now. And it's like, this guy scratches his head. like, well... You know how we have that rule as a family and also as a town about not interacting with the creatures that live outside the walls that are potentially not good for us. Because they'll kill you, yes. Yes. You need to meet a friend of mine. Okay, we're just going to do this. Um, And she goes and she uh, walks to like the, the... closet in her room which is like not a closet it's like a big standing cupboard and she like taps gently on it and then opens a door mm-hmm. and uh, there is this gently flickering uh, light inside and as the light moves you see there is a very tiny humanoid figure with wings little gossamer dragonfly-esque wings that is shining with an internal light. I thought it was going to be Hemingway. No. Yes. This is Puka. Alistair walks over and, like, kneels down so his head's at the same level as Sky. He squints at it and goes, Sky? Mm-hmm. Have you been torturing a fairy? <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> I think that, it, that's it what didn't this looks start, like. No. Okay. You've See? Been, you've been torturing fairies. Remember how you? when I was a little bit younger and you told me that um, when I put a tooth under my pillow, when a tooth comes out and I put it under my pillow, the tooth fairy comes and leaves money. I never said that. Your mum said that. Either I said way, it was a load of nonsense. Yes, because it's a lie. Yes. Uh, because they don't leave money. But they do come and try and steal your teeth and that's what Puka did. <laughs> <laughs> they what? Uh, yeah, no, she was... I woke up and she was trying to pull the tooth... I had it in my hand. 
you're supposed to put it under your pillow, but I had it in my hand underneath the pillow and she was trying to get it out of my hand. And then I put a bell jar over. And so now Pukaru is my friend. Clever. It took some convincing for her to be my friend and not just to run away. And you can see that this tiny creature, it's really hard for your eyes to focus. She's almost moving too fast mm -hmm. to be clearly seen. And so all you get is this vague sort of humanoid shape that seems to be flitting from side to side. Can she talk? Sort of, but in frequency. And so that's the uh -huh. thing. Um, she taught me how to talk to her in frequency that she can understand and that I can understand which is where I started doing tests and found out that there are frequencies that she does like and frequencies that she doesn't like and with this she's pointing to the this catastrophic mess of a machine you can make that frequency into a wall and so when Marv gets back we can actually make this into a new kind of wall and then we don't have to have people guarding it all the time and then you and mum don't have to leave so much to protect it because it will protect itself and they won't want to get close to the frequency because they don't like it. Sky. Mm -hmm. This is really clever. Mm -hmm. I know. Like, like, it's actually really clever. I know. I think the the uh, appropriate way to say that is, you're welcome. <sighs> um, Puck picks her up and gives her a hug. Alistair gives her a hug too and he says, you know, secrets are fun. Like, really fun. Mm-hmm. That's fine. You don't need to tell us everything. But you also don't have to keep everything from us. Yeah, we could have helped you with this. No, you couldn't have. Marv could have, but Marv's not here. And we really need to find Marv because I can't make the rest of this work without Marv. Also, I worried about him. He said some things before he left that sounded like... Uh, the way that you talk sometimes in your sleep about bad stuff from before. What did he say? Something about the sea and um, final resting place and... And? There was something else. He didn't think that I was listening because he was working on one of the engines and I was... Um, Borrowing, she uses like pink quotes, some tools. Stealing. He didn't know that I was. That, that's. You were going to give them back. Exactly. Mm. Um, that's all right. What am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he thinks it's all right. Yeah. Um, Alice is just constantly questioning his fathering. What am I doing? He said he I didn't do? have a choice anymore. It was time. Something about the sea, something about no choice, something about. Resting places. Why didn't you tell me? Um, well, it would have been good to know. There are things that are secrets for other people that it's not yours to tell. Yeah, I see. Mm hmm. Puck is still like, uh, like hugging her. He's like, that's fair. I can't really argue with that. But we are going to talk about this fairy. <laughs> it's like, I, this creature, like, that's still a real big no-no. Yeah. Yeah. I'm done. That's everything. You can all get out now. And she's like, starts trying to push you out of the door. <laughs> okay. Um, Thank you very much. Uh, Goodbye. We're going to need that battery now. Is that okay? Um, yes. Proof of concept. Uh, Ernest, make another perception check. You can Ernest have... Still unconscious. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> everyone, everyone's forgotten. Oh, right. Um, okay, Puck, give me a hand. Um, Don't once, worry, Dad, I've got it. <laughs> like, Sky helps her. Um, once again, Ernest is sitting cross-legged and crossed-armed on the floor of the Dreaming. So they're like, one stage they're going to wake me up. Some stage they're going to turn off their goddamn machine. <laughs> Sulking. And... Uh, a bunch more crows land down in the, the puddle of water around him and he sweeps his arm to swoosh them away. And as they swoosh away, he sees something else sitting in the dreaming a little ways off. Uh, he looks down as he's about to get up and he sees the the surface of the dreaming is kind of rippling like when you play loud music and he plugs his ears in the dreaming and the shimmering stops he takes off again it's like it's still on (laughs) thanks guys and he gets up and he walks over towards the thing sitting in the water what is the thing it's facing away from him all he sees is something dressed in a very out-of-date suit, like an early 1970s suit with long hair running down its back. And it's reaching its hand into the Dreaming and pulling up handfuls of it. And rather than sloshing out of its hand like water, it is running down like sand back into the water. He doesn't turn and there are dozens of crows, some perched on his shoulders, pecking viciously at his head. You're losing this place. And he's taking the desert too. I'd say you should hop along there sometime. You don't have many friends left there. He's taking it. And he turns and sees a glowing red eye. A smile creaks across the face. That is the job of the poet. And Ernest wakes back up. He's been like pulled into the living room or something. Yeah, yeah. He's lying on the floor. He like rolls over, pulls himself up. All right. Oh, why can't we ever have good? There you are. Hello. What? Just a dream. Um, Your dreams mean stuff. You know that, right? Apparently. I'm really glad mine don't because. Yes. You think this island's messed up as it is? Oh, it's it's messed up on a whole other level. You want some tea? Yes. Um, we we only have peppermint left up here. Ah! Well, I could go down to the kitchen. <laughs> we <laughs> jump forwards in time to the next morning, and we find Ernest and Alistair where? We are just outside the Stern family residence. There's um, a little 
courtyard, what used to be like a very formal sort of courtyard area with, you know, like table, like those bench seats and mm. hedges and things that's been completely torn out. And it's just um, vegetable patches so and lots of like climbing things, so like beans and tomatoes and things like that. Um, and Alistair is kind of holding a um, basket in his good hand and... Uh, um, start that again alice is holding a basket in his good hand and ernest is picking snow peas out of out of the thing for for dinner the next night and they're putting them in the basket yep as Ernest is picking them off he's wiping his hands on his pants drying them off as he's once again washed the dirt off them after waking up and he woke up to find the lantern at the base of his bed ah so he now has it slung across his back so you found it I found it. You, you just, you just found it. Yeah, it was like tucked away in the corner of like my bed. So could you just have not seen it? I think so. I wasn't like that one's a bit small. Maybe leave that there. It's that like okay. it's like half picked off. Is like yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> it grabs a different one. It falls off. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was not in the best paying attention. That's mood. Yeah, that's fair enough. So. We we need some kind of like I don't know like like two face thing like the coin like you need an eye patch or something that you swing to the other eye so I'm like oh it's it's you now it was me all along yeah, I feel like Alice is really got way more dad now <laughs> yeah <laughs> just this sort of like slightly inane dumb banter yeah it's like. <laughs> Yeah, we should do that. We should, you know, what would be a good idea is if you were an eye patch. I think it's just to the point that like he was so overtired and delirious before Ernest arrived, mm. and he's nearly died since then. So he's just like so delirious. <laughs> he's like, yeah, we should eye patch. Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, um, Ernest is gonna uh, pick off the last of the the beans and put them in the basket. So we're gonna need a bit of a team for this one, I think. Yeah, I'm not quite up to where I used to be. Spinach, that's the other thing we needed. Over here. <sighs> it's gonna like trot after you. Yes, spinach. After that, my brother. You know? Yeah. Uh well. We can't spare too many people from from the watching. Um, but Yeah, we can we can put a small team together. I think that's probably a good idea. Well, if we're going yeah. to eventually be dealing with Sherman, I'm like, I'm sure we'd be able to recruit him to some degree. Not to this, he just as to your lifestyle, but to the hunt at least. I'm sure he would be. Well, he's he, he hasn't he, denied me a hunt yet. That's true, and he kind of uh, has based his entire operation off what he remembers from uh, Slate Ridge. So probably seeing you would be helpful. So hopefully, maybe you can you can kind of remind him what the whole idea of the Watchman thing was in the first place. That's kind of struggling. I mean, um, he's kind of doing what it was. It's just more. It hasn't veered that far. I just think he's kind of underestimated the situation he's in. Um, he probably won't talk to me, but he'll talk to you. So we've got Sherman, and he's got a few others with him. Randy is supposed to be with him. I don't know where Randy is. Okay, so we don't have Randy. Yeah, Randy 
Randy's, I, I don't know. He's kind of doing his own thing. He just comes and goes and which is very difficult. And I think this is the main problem I had with Sherman is not that not the stance he was taking. It was more the fact that for a lot of years, I used to try and think that because we had a, a safe base and a safe system of operations that we worked very hard to build up, it was kind of our job to look after everyone on the island. And because he insisted on being more nomadic and moving around, we never knew exactly where he was or when he'd show up. And so it was very hard to know, should we send out a search party looking for him? Because we haven't heard from him in two weeks. And then, you know, we'd think they were dead and they'd show up with like pumpkins the next week and not those pumpkins. So eventually we just decided that we, we couldn't keep covering for them and... No, I'll ask that later. Um, well, I think both mindsets are kind of flawed because I think when dealing with this type of stuff, and he's like picking handfuls of spinach, when dealing with these types of situations, i found you need to be as hard as a fist, but you still need to be fluid. That's the biggest downside with, with this place. It's because if, if this place suddenly becomes more monster infested, you're locked move. into this place. Yeah. But being fluid means that you can't look after your old, you can't look after your sick, it's all that your kids. stuff. So, but neither is entirely correct or wrong. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'd kind of hoped that if if Sherman had injured people or if he had somebody who needed taken care of, he'd bring them here and we could look after them. And if we got overran, we could go find him. But he, I think, sees it maybe as weakness. I'm not sure, but. He's never really... He's had some pretty close calls and he's never come here for help, really. Um, and we never know where he is, so even if we did get overrun, we wouldn't know how to meet up with him. What about what about Gina? Would she be up to join the, the party? Gina. Gina. Um, that's an interesting story. So... She... Um, a long time ago, we... Uh, things weren't quite as cut off as they used to be, not just because we had radio back then, but just in general, things weren't quite as closed up as they are now. So Gina was kind of in charge of the people who would send messages and supplies and things between the different mm. outposts. And, you know, she would take she would take spinach from here and, and take it to the, the people on, uh, up towards the mountain and then bring back, you know, we'd have trading and things like that um but she just left about five years ago i still don't know why and i don't know where she is no one does well somebody might but i know that sherman doesn't because we still had radio communications and i thought you know when she went missing her brother's probably the first place to look but he hasn't heard anything so whether she got caught up or maybe she went to join some other people and I don't know but no one knows where she is now if it were Randy that had done that I wouldn't have thought twice about it but mm. it's not quite like Gina at this point uh, Puck is coming striding through the garden towards the two of you will this be enough? yes I'm sure that's fine that should be heaps Right, Ernest, I have sent out a message, a repeat call, uh, similar to Sherman's, to tell him that we know his 
Category 1 Predator and that we need a an alliance approach to deal with the problem. Did you use my name? I did. Good. And I used Edgar's. Has he responded yet? No, nothing yet. Okay. It is still early. So. It's still early. I don't think we can go after Edgar until we have Sherman and his scouts will have a much better idea of where he is. In the meantime, I think Sky is right. If we can get that fence working, that gives us three times the mobility. It gives us three times the amount of hands for farming and fixing and doing every other thing that needs to be done around here rather than just watching the wall. And we can we spend more people too to go find Edgar. We can spend well. a lot more people. Now, right now, if we're being honest, and it's no disrespect to anyone, the most capable field operatives we have here are me, you, Alistair, Nancy, and Bernie. Mm. That yep. is about it. Right. And is that we enough can't to find Marv, do you think? From what Sky said, Marv... Look, I'll be honest, and I, I hope this doesn't... You know I'm not trying to be me. No, no. You, it's a... This is a... I think a lot of this... She kind of gestured around. I think a lot of this was good for Marv, being with people all the time, not like he used to be. But I don't think he was very well. I think he was getting increasingly worse. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's taken himself off alone because he never intended on in coming back. So I don't know if there is... Like a dog. Mm, yes. I don't know if we're going to find him alive and... If, but if he is, if it was a, I need space, I need to do my own thing, he almost certainly, like Sky said, he would have headed for either his house or his boat. Either Absolutely. of those two places is where he would have gone. Well, neither of those are far, luckily. No. So I think we're looking at small, small team, in and out. We make a thorough search and we get back. Find Marv, fix... Or build this thing that Sky's come up with. What if, what if? Sorry, but what if we did a two-party team of two? So we have one party that goes to his house because that's we don't even need to go into town. That's to the library, and then right, we take that dirt yeah. track. That was a thirty-minute drive by car on foot. That's two hours of jogging by horse that's an hour uh and then to the to the old um military base and the the kind of wharf that he used to send his boat off that's i believe you could take a right off of that dirt it's track so we could take half that journey together as a as a four team and then break into two we'd be back by dark it'd be quicker but if i had both arms and I could trust you. Not that I can't trust you, but you know what I mean. I probably wouldn't hesitate, but I'm only half good and you could turn into someone else at any minute. And if we're both together, that's one team gone. Then we don't both go together. We can split right, up. Then we split you. I mean, you go half the distance together. 
Now we have radio communication. We have shortwaves. This means that you can communicate and whoever does find something can communicate to the other and then you can rendezvous and you can join back up again. So I just, I don't... We tried the small thing, the small party thing, and... This time we have radio I nearly died. And Ernest nearly died and Ed is gone. But, yeah. Well, look, let's be practical about this. You were in fine shape when you went. Mm-hmm. Ernest was essentially taken off the chessboard halfway through in a completely unforeseeable circumstance. And if what you're Edgar saying... Edgar was always going to be a wild card. Yeah, but also if you're saying... If what you've been saying about Aller is true, his goal isn't to kill either of us. I'm not worried about him trying to kill me. I'm worried about if we get into a fight, I know you. I know what you can do. I know I, I can rely on you. And Aller is a different but you have to set th- of cards. But you have to think Aller is an entirely logical creature. It's a computer. What's logical about hampering our ability to survive? I don't think he's going to make a play. Not consciously, no. I'm just, I'm more worried about the unknown. I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to Let's, minimize that. Okay, well then what we need is we need someone who is on the ball enough and who's plugged in enough to be able to deal with Allah I practically. Think, I think it has to be you. I think you have to go with Allah. I think I need to go with Nancy and Bernie. I don't think we can take both. Not just because they don't exactly play nice these days, but we need to leave someone in charge here. So which do you think is going to be more practical for you? But the two of you are a perfect working team. Like with all your tier stuff, the two of you, at least the two of you know that you can complete your mission. Yes, we are, but we're also very well practiced in directing separate operations in tandem. We don't want to have one team that knows exactly what they're doing and another team that doesn't. It's better to have two teams that know exactly what each other team is going to do. I'll go with Nancy. You go with Ernest. Bernie, Stacey. All right. Is that okay? Ernest kind of strokes his chin and looks up to the wall. Yep, I'll do. Thank you for listening to Dark Tide. Yay! I have been your host, show creator, and narrator, Aubrey Lydon. With me has been BJ Ingate. Uh, hi. Hey, it's me. You mean hi or goodbye, BJ? Uh, yep. And Chester Lydon. <laughs> <laughs> so good to have this level of energy. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. We will be back in another two weeks with the next installment of Dark Tides. In the meantime... If you want to get access to any of our uh, numerous Patreon bonuses, you can find that by heading over to patreon.com slash darktidespod. do have a lot of Patreon bonuses. Yeah, there's it's a bunch true. of different tiers with a bunch of access to different things. Most things are available to everyone. We are pretty sure. 
Uh, so if you want to check those out or come and hang out with us on it's Discord. It's a wild beast that yeah, they show. We none of us really know what's going on. Exactly. We've changed our mind about how we want the tiers to work all the time and then sometimes they break and I don't know. There's we stuff fix there. it. But so, we try. But then it breaks again. <laughs> and if you want to get news or updates, which I don't know if we really do those things, or if you want to get the occasional vlogs We're that really Chester and BJ do. We're Damn. <laughs> Look, <laughs> you come to us for authenticity, not for efficiency. Because we don't offer that. <laughs> Yeah. So we will see you again yeah. in two weeks' time. You can check out all of our social medias. We are on Twitter, Reddit, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. You can find us. Yeah. You know how most of the places usernames work. Yes. Uh, so thank you very much for listening, and we will see you on the next one. Bye bye. Goodbye. Later, nerd. <laughs>